Since the arrival of Europeans, there have been numerous waves of immigration to Australia, from Britain, China, post-war Europe, and from India and Vietnam. Each has left an indelible mark on our society, our workforce, and our economy. Some of the most successful names in Australian business began their lives elsewhere. The former chairman of Westfield Corporation, Frank Lowy, was born in Czechoslovakia. Maryvale founder, John Hems, was born in Indonesia and telecommunications entrepreneur Tan Le immigrated to Australia from Vietnam. Today, the world is witnessing unprecedented flows of displaced people, with over 65 million people around the world forced from their homes, and more than 22 million are refugees. In Australia, each year we take in approximately 14,000 refugees under our current humanitarian program, most of whom come from Iraq, Syria, Burma and Afghanistan. Now, at first glance, these new arrivals appear to be the most unlikely of entrepreneurs. Unlike other migrants, refugees arrive with very few financial resources, recognised qualifications, or access to established communities in which to embed a business. And yet, these people create more business income than any other category of migrant. It's Refugee Week, and on this episode of Think Business Futures, we're talking about the impact of refugee entrepreneurs on the Australian economy. I'm at the moment in the not-so-sunny south coast of New South Wales, uh, overlooking the ocean through the, um, the dark clouds and seeing no whales at all, unfortunately. That's Jock Collins, Professor of Social Economics at the University of Technology, Sydney. We caught him in the midst of a self-imposed exile to get away from the office in the attempt to get some writing done. Luckily, he took our call. We know that Australia is an immigrant nation uh, and people come here for many different reasons. Perhaps could you tell us a little bit more about the kind of the role of migrants in Australian society today? Well, Australia is one of the world's uh, greatest migration nations. If you look at the proportion of the population that was born overseas, uh, only two Western countries exceed uh, Australia in that regard. That's Switzerland and Luxembourg. Uh, and so, you know, we have one of the greatest, not only numerically, in terms of the proportion of the population, but also in terms of its diversity because the Australian immigration net has really touched all corners of the globe. Uh, and that means that really uh, when we've had this sustained program since 1947, so uh, uh, immigration has really uh, changed the face of contemporary Australian society. Those who arrive for humanitarian reasons they are the ones that seem to occupy most of the mainstream media's attention. Could you tell us a little bit more about this this group in particular? Yes, well, you're right because, you know, Australia takes in about 200,000 permanent migrants a year and about 700,000 temporary migrants a year uh, and uh, this year about 18,000 humanitarian migrants or refugees. So when you look at the numbers... Uh, they're really a tiny fraction of the total annual intake. But as you uh, suggest, uh, they really gobble up most of the oxygen in terms of the Australian immigration debate. So it's really um, perhaps the most controversial uh, aspect of what is a very controversial uh, immigration history. It's important to understand the difference between a migrant and a refugee. Settlement Services International, or SSI, define a migrant as someone who makes a conscious decision to leave their country in order to seek a better life. 
They can plan their departure, research the local language and search for a job before they arrive. Refugees, on the other hand, are forced to leave their home countries due to persecution. They are often forced to leave quickly, leaving behind their possessions, family and social connections. Imagine running away from home in the middle of the night with no time to take anything with you or tell anyone where you're going. The legal definition for refugee was first defined in the Refugee Convention of 1951, which outlined the rights of the displaced as well as the state's legal obligations to protect them. Written in the aftermath of World War II, the convention was created in order to ensure that the world would never turn away those fleeing danger. Refugees have been coming to Australia for a long time. According to the Refugee Council of Australia, the first easily identifiable group of refugees were Lutherans, who began settling in South Australia from 1839 to escape restrictions on their right to worship in what was then Prussia. Refugee resettlement programs can be traced to 1937 with the Australian Jewish Welfare Society. Now fast forward to 1977 when the modern refugee and humanitarian program began with financial assistance from the federal government. Refugee resettlement programs can be traced back to 1937 with the Australian Jewish Welfare Society. Fast forward to 1977 when the modern refugee and humanitarian program began with financial assistance from the federal government. Since the program began, Australia has received almost 400,000 offshore refugee and humanitarian entrants and has issued almost 43,000 onshore protection visas. What particular challenges do they face, these humanitarian immigrants? What, what particular challenges do they face once they arrive in Australia? Yes, so if you look at the um, unemployment data, uh, people who arrive as refugees or humanitarian immigrants have the highest rate of unemployment in Australia other than for Indigenous people. So a lot of them uh, find it very, very hard to get a job in the first instance. Um, those that do get a job often find that they have to take a job far below their skills and capacities and experience. And it's that uh, slippage down the labour market uh, that uh, we refer to by the term occupational skidding, a downward, uh, not an upward motion there. Why then, in, in, in this context, why is the establishment of business enterprises so important for this category of migrants? Yes, yeah, so um, immigrants uh, in general, but refugees uh, in particular, uh, face what we call block mobility. Their, their mobility into the labour market is blocked. Or when they do um, actually get a job, they find that they're much more inferior to their human capital capabilities. Uh, and as a consequence of that, and because of their great desire to provide for their families, um, a number of them decide to create their own jobs by starting a business. Uh, and this entrepreneurial potential, uh, in, in some ways, is a real paradox. It's a paradox because, on the one hand, refugees face the greatest barriers to starting up a business. They've normally got no capital. Uh, they normally, uh, their human capital is not recognised if they have it. Uh, their linguistic capital, their English language ability is very poor often, uh, and also uh, their social capital, their networks are fractured because of the uh, process of displacement and movement from their country to another, to another, and then finally to Australia. Also, they don't know the market, they don't know the, the red tape, they don't know uh, the lay of the land. So you would think 
that refugees would be the most unlikely entrepreneurs. And yet, when you look at the ABS data, refugees are much more likely to establish a business than migrants who come through the skilled migration pathway or other pathways into Australia. And, and this is a very, very interesting paradox. Do you have the statistics about that? What, what's the difference in that ABS data? Yes, so the ABS data tells us that um, refugees or humanitarian immigrants are twice as likely to own a business than those who come in the skilled migrant intake, those who come with skills, uh, skills and qualifications in the permanent program, uh, and also significantly higher than those who come as temporary migrants via the, the student uh, sort of visa program. So they're at least twice as likely to be entrepreneurs than other migrants. And the reason I think it's like it's an apparent paradox because if we just focus on what they don't have, the deficits, the uh, their inadequacies, what we're not looking at is what they do have. And you can see that refugees, by um, their very decision to take a risky pathway to come to Australia, and you know the journey of a refugee is very dangerous, very risky. People who make that decision do so because they've got a great determination for themselves and their families to succeed. In 2016, Jock wrote an evaluation report on a small business startup program called Ignite. The Ignite program is an initiative by Settlement Services International to help newly arrived refugees to set up their own business. Settlement Services International, which is um, the major service provider for newly arrived refugees in New South Wales, uh, in 2014 established a program that became known as the Ignite program, a program uh, a pilot program, really, to uh, assist newly arrived refugees to establish a business in Sydney. And through a contracted research grant with UTS, I was employed to evaluate that program. And so, um, you know, recently uh, in 2017, uh, I wrote a report called uh, From Refugee to Entrepreneur in Sydney in Less Than Three Years. Uh, and um, basically that evaluation showed uh, that at the time I did the report, about 62 refugees had established a business. These are refugees who had arrived within the last three years. Uh, and in fact, now, some time after, uh, that number is about 97. So about 97 or so refugees have established a business, overcoming those barriers we talked about, those substantial barriers. Uh, and uh, so that demonstrates a couple of things. First of all, that refugees have the ability uh, to uh, establish a business. There's a great appetite there amongst the refugee community to establish a business. Partly that goes to the fact that a number of them have had experiences running a business themselves or for their, with their family in their countries of origin. And specifically about the Ignite program, could you tell us a little bit more about how this program is, how this program works? Yes. So um, the way in which the program works is that um, SSI employs enterprise facilitators, two people whose job it is to assist these refugees on the pathway to setting up a business. Uh, these clients uh, are referred to by the caseworkers that see all newly arrived refugees. The caseworkers are uh, mentioned 
the existence of the IGNITE program, and then it's up to the refugee to initiate the phone calls and uh, the you know and to follow up that. Um, having done that, the enterprise facilitators identify those refugees most likely to establish a business. They ask them, for example, what sort of business do you want to establish? And if you say, look, I don't care, I just want to establish a business, you won't get in the program. You have to have a passion for a particular sort of business, uh, and that stems from knowledge or experience or interest. Having done that, um, there is then a, a board, a resources board of people who are volunteer experts from the field of finance, IT, marketing, management, um, you know, sort of uh, right across the board who provide their services free to give advice to each particular person. David and I spoke with a graduate of the Ignite program named Daniel. It's not just for these sort of things. I had a lot of jobs. Sometimes the job Daniel is originally from Iran, where he was trained as an electrical engineer and worked installing high-voltage power lines. Unfortunately, it was hard for him to get his qualification recognised in Australia, so two years ago he was put in touch with the Ignite program and his facilitator helped him pave a new path into a different field. CCTV security. How did you get involved with the Ignite program? Uh, when we came here, we had the case manager or case worker in Parramatta in SSI. They introduced me mm-hmm. to these programs. And when about was that for you? Uh, when did you begin? I think it was three and a half years ago. Yeah, fantastic. And so through the program, you've been able to create this business, Eagle Eye Security Systems, which is a CCTV company. Yeah. Did you come to the program with this idea? Yeah, I had my idea. Because as I said, I I was doing the electrical and the CCTV is in the same category. Why did you want to start a business? Ah, There's a lot of reason. Everyone wants to start their own business, but some people they don't know where to start or what to do but i had my experience from back home i run my own, i run my own business back home around, and around 40 people working for me i start with two people i make it bigger and bigger in four, three years four years it becomes two forty people that's a lot of growth yeah and what sort of industry was that in electrical high voltage you know, from pole to from city to city, we used to run the high voltage cables. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah. It was hard. Yes, <laughs> I can understand why. In that kind of business, you would want lots of training. That's, you know, yeah. yes. But unfortunately, I couldn't do that one in here. It's a long way to go to get those certificates in Australia. Oh, that's interesting. So to be able to replicate or do that sort of business here in Australia, there's regulation that would make it very difficult for you to start that kind of business. The the main thing for me was my language, my English. It wasn't that much good. I'm here in five years now. To be honest, I didn't know where to start, where to go for that kind of businesses. Because I knew I have to go around four to five years courses and I have to find somewhere to go as apprenticeship and these sort of things. I couldn't find anyone. That's why I just decided to leave it for now. So what does the average Ignite program entrepreneur look like and what is a typical small business? 
Jock says entrepreneurs from the Ignite program come from about 30-odd different countries and from a wide range of industries and backgrounds. Uh, about one quarter of them are women uh, and about one quarter of them are youth, are young people. Uh, and so there's a great diversity. And when you look at the sorts of business they establish, there's no one business. If, if you ask me the question, what is a typical refugee business established? The answer is that there isn't one. It's right across the board from cooking and restaurants through to photography, through to IT, um, through to sort of um, scrapyards and, uh, you know, sort of uh, art, uh, you know, sort of printing, uh, right across the board. And there's a terrific diversity of, um, you know, of backgrounds, but also a great diversity of business types that have been established under this program. This includes the CCTV industry. Admittedly, I'm not sure I'd given much thought to it as an industry before meeting Daniel. So what, so what sort of uh, products and services do you do? Yeah, we're doing all the security things, that it's including alarm system, CCTV equipment and intercom, sometimes access controls and these sort of things. On the Ignite program itself, yep. how did the program help you start your business? They helped me with everything. Mm. They did everything. Because as I said, I, I didn't know what I have to do. It was one guy, his name is Ben. He helped me a lot with everything, with registration, with even opening the bank accounts, business card, website, with everything. So you came to the program with an idea. Yeah. Um, to, through the program, did you do any, say, formal training, or it was a, it was a just working with Ben to a slowly establish your uh, business, quickly establish mm, your business? Yeah. <laughs> now with that one, Ben he he started to show me what, what's the rules in here in Australia, what I have to do, what what is more important, and he he always he used to get the meeting with lawyers, with accountants. Okay, so. If you think about the program and your experience in the program, I'm wondering what were some of the more important lessons or what that you got out of the program as you went through it? What, what was the most important things that it was able to help you with? I knew my idea it was CCTV, but I didn't have any idea how to do the business in here. The knowledge of the doing job is different to knowledge of running business and roles. So I can say everything, all of the rules, everything I learned from this, mm -hmm. especially the accounting. And my friend told me you can just do it yourself. It's just some math, and I know, um, I know math how to do this sort of thing. When when we went to that pro the meeting about the accounting, I decided this one is for this the professional guys. As an accountant, I can completely support the importance of accounting. <laughs> <laughs> what what about then your experiences being in business, given that you had some experience before, yeah. and so now you're doing business in a completely different context? Yeah. What have been the experiences that you've had that have been most surprising? Everything. Everything is different. Everything. I can't say just this or that, but I can say everything is different. Before you, just before you mentioned that you are interested in uh, getting, in the future, having more employees, yeah. um, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about what sort of plans that you have for Eagle Eye Security uh, yeah. in the future. Everyone, they, everyone thinking to grow their own business, but I'm, I'm just waiting for the right time.
So what sort of outcomes do the Ignite program and its entrepreneurs achieve? Um, each particular refugee uh, Ignite client is walked through the pathway uh, from uh, initially entering the program to setting up a business. Each pathway is different because each person is different, has different needs and experiences and uh, you know attributes. What have you liked most about having your own business here? A lot of things. It's easy question, but it's big answer. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can manage your own time. You have your own freedom. If you work hard, you you know it's for yourself. It's not for someone else. If if you're working more and more, you know you're building your own business and your own future. So the capacity to set your own destiny. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What has been most difficult? What What's the thing that you're unhappiest about? I prefer to just look at the good points. But the the bad point is you don't have a really good life <laughs> at the beginning. You have to work all the time. Yeah, you have to work all the time, especially in my business. It's security. So everyone wants the job to be done on Saturday and Sunday when they are home. Right. So I have to work on Saturday and Sunday. How do you prompt people to actually commit or to buy something when i listened to your earlier discussion as soon as i heard about the quality of the camera and so on i could yeah. see this immediately how do you get someone from that point to saying right i'm going to stick a camera or an alarm system uh, in the house there's two three main thing one the first one you have to be honest with the customer yep. if you're honest if he trusts you the job is yours mm-hmm. the second one you have to be different to everyone else and you use good quality camera and good quality. And that's going to be your advertising. You don't need to spend any money for your advertising. If you do a good job, if you give them good service, good quality, that's how you get the job. What sort of outcomes did the Ignite program and its entrepreneurs achieve? So one of the outcomes uh, achieved by the Ignite program was the fact that a number of the clients had moved off Centrelink payments. Uh, And I calculated that if you worked out the savings for Centrelink, uh, there was something like about $5 million of savings over three years to Centrelink payments uh, to these families. So that really, you know, they've gone off the welfare payment system and they've moved into tax paying as entrepreneurs. And that's uh, reducing the welfare Uh, expenditure of of the nation. The second thing uh, is that a number of these refugees employed other people. So they were generating jobs for other people, generating other income, other income tax, uh, and often they were generating jobs for other refugees, so themselves helping to reduce refugee um, unemployment rates in Australia. Once again, that's a very important uh, contribution, but the other thing the report found is that the non-economic benefits of the program were substantial. For example, all the clients that I'd interviewed who were successful, uh, their English language improved, number one. Their confidence about living in Australia and their future of Australia improved. Their social networks, the number of people they knew, uh, improved during the process. 
why do you think the Ignite program was so successful? If we step back, why, what have we learnt in terms of how we help refugees in establishing enterprises? Yes, well, I think the, the first step was uh, the imagination uh, by Settlement Services International to fund this particular program. Uh, it's outside their main bread and butter. Um, you know, as an NGO, they're pretty cash-strapped like they all are. Uh, their main job is, you know, seeing newly arrived refugee clients, getting them into education and English training and finding them houses and doing all that sort of thing. The CEO of Settlement Service International, Violet Rumiliotis, um, decided to um, you know, take a punt and fund this particular pilot program so that was really quite an innovative and imaginative uh, policy uh, task in the first instance, and her board supported, uh, you know, providing funds for this program. So I think that's the first thing that you know, a bit of a policy imagination and risk taking, uh, it was necessary. Secondly, uh, you know, there's a long history of immigrants in Australia who have established a business, uh, and uh, Violet. Herself, her parents established the business. Uh, they were from Greek background, and many Greeks, Italians, and Chinese, and Lebanese, and so forth, immigrants in the past 50 years or so have established a business as a way of providing for their family. And so this is a continuation. Uh, the third thing, though, is that refugees are, uh, shall we say, unique given their particular disadvantage. Uh, you know, a lot of these other communities came to big established Greek or Italian communities in Melbourne or Sydney or wherever. A lot of these refugee families arrived knowing no one except maybe people they saw in detention camps along the way or they met there. So really their needs are particular and the, the strength of this program, this sort of like almost a bespoke social ecology model, is that it responds sensitively to the needs of each individual and creates an individual pathway to entrepreneurship. And I think that's the uh, the interesting characteristic of this program, that each person is walked on their own journey and the program is sensitive enough to uh, respond uh, and to change over time. That brings us to the close of this episode's of Think Business Futures. If you'd like to hear more from us, head to the 2SER website, 2SER.com. You can also search for us on your favourite podcast app. Thanks to Jock Collins for taking our call from his hideaway on the coast. You can find Jock's research on the 2SER website. Thanks also to Daniel from Eagle Eye Security and for sharing his journey from refugee to entrepreneur. This podcast is made by the UTS Business School with the support of 2SER 107.3. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at thinkbusiness at 2SER.com. <laughs>